Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. This is John Trooper. This is Kate Prusser. This is Julio Rodriguez. Produced by Evan James Audio. This is Look Out Landing Podcast. Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Look Out Landing Podcast. It is a special Thanksgiving Day slash Turkey Day slash uh, whatever you want to call it day. If you don't celebrate Thanksgiving, uh, eat a lot of food and sit at home in your sweatpants day. I'm Kate Prusser. I'm the managing editor of Lookout Landing, and I am joined today by Evan James, our podcast producer extraordinaire. How are you, Evan? I'm doing well. Excited for Thanksgiving. What is your favorite Thanksgiving dish? Oh man, I cook the ribs. So we haven't done <gasps> turkey what? in like we haven't done turkey basically ribs? in ten years. All we is that we do legal? ribs. <laughs> ribs. <laughs> yeah, I cook pork ribs every year. Oh my gosh. I mean, I love turkey. People who don't like turkey don't cook it properly. Like, it's just not that hard. Just don't dry it out. Brine that sucker. Base that sucker. Um, we got a Instapot a couple of years ago, and that makes <laughs> it that so sucker. easy. <laughs> Base that uh, I, sucker. <laughs> I have to say, though, that, uh, that ribs, I mean, I love turkey, but ribs are oof. Uh, and also I joining us today. Only in July. Yeah, hear his voice. It's Joe Doyle, our minor league prospect expert. Joe, your favorite Thanksgiving dish, please. I love I love garlic mashed potatoes, uh, mm-hmm. but I, when when Thanksgiving comes around, I'm circling pumpkin pie. Ooh, I'm divisive! Basic. A divisive choice. I'm basic, yeah. I'm a gut punch type like of guy. I don't feel like that's basic. I feel like a lot of people really hate pumpkin pie. Yeah, Starbucks gave people like me a bad name, though. 
The thing with pumpkin oh. pie is you can't buy it at the store. Like if you go get a Costco pumpkin pie, it's whack. You have to have somebody it make is. you like a real homemade crust and do the filling themselves. It's not the same. Yeah, store elsewhere. I agree with oh, you. Oh yeah. Store bought pumpkin pies are indeed whack. Uh, I think especially it's when like they the, have that little layer, the like the little layer the of like, juice. Yeah. Yes, the film, the film on yeah, top. It's like, gross. hey, we made this several days ago with preservatives, but enjoy. Yeah. Not for me, man. Yes. Once again, a thing that I think people think they don't like because they've had bad versions of it. Um, and unfortunately, bad food kind of abounds on the Thanksgiving table. I try to avoid that. I try to only make good food. Uh, I have to say that green bean casserole, that is the traditional like can of mushroom soup, bag of frozen green beans, is disgusting. Um, that is disgusting. But I make a homemade version where I make my own cream sauce with like sherry and I do the mushrooms and they're fresh and I use Haricotver from Trader Joe's, which is just, I don't know, like green beans, bougie cousin, um, and do like a breadcrumby topping on top instead of those fried onion things. Yes. And mm-hmm. it is delicious. So if you think you don't like something, you've probably just had a bad version of it. Um, soggy Brussels sprouts, etc. Like, no, oh, think, things have got to be good. Those need to be perfectly roasted and opened up with lots yes. of salt. Mm-hmm. Salt. And then uh, if they're burnt, then they're like bitter. I love them burnt. Just I actually love them burnt. Cook them. See, there's a line. You caramelize them and they're delicious. You burn them can't. and Evan's right. It brings out too much of the bitter. Huh. I'd rather Bras- have them burnt than brush- not opened up. Brasioka, Brasioka. I forget what the name of the uh, family is. It has like, uh, I call it the fart family because they all kind of produce a lot of gas. But cauliflower, Brussels, the cruciferous vegetables, those guys, uh, they're tricky. Yeah, cruciferous vegetables. They have the little cross inside them, like uh, cauliflower, broccoli. Why can't I think of any others? Brussels sprouts. So those guys are really, really good for you. Can make a little bit of a fart factory, though. So you just something to navigate around if you're maybe going to a new paramour's house for the holidays or something. Uh, so you don't light the place on fire. But delicious and excellent for you. They have to be roasted, though, or they are gross. Anyway. This is a lot of talk that's not about the Mariners, which is probably reflective of the situation at hand right now, because nice, eh, we're kind of in a... Yeah, thanks. I'm better at segues than John. Don't tell him, but do tell him. Um, <laughs> we are kind of in like this, this dead zone. It's, we were hoping for some big moves pre-Thanksgiving. There obviously is still a chance. I will always remember being up to my elbows in pie crust, trying to make the pumpkin pie, you know, which we know has to be made fresh or it's gross and homemade or it's gross. And the Ketel Marte, Gene Segura, Mitch Hanager trade coming down on my phone and having to like drop everything and write something. If it was this day and age, we'd probably be having to record an emergency podcast. So, whew. Uh, it's uh, still Jerry's possible. Poor wife. <laughs> but it's feeling less likely, right? Does it feel? I, I would say, I what what is the percentage you feel like a, a any kind of Mariners move, other than like some minor league signing gets done between now and uh, let's say the end of the week? 
I still think there's a better than 50% chance. Really? Interesting. I still think I still think there's a better than 50% chance something happens before the 30th. Cuz I know, you know, something's going to happen when players are non-tendered on the 30th between the 30th and the 1st. But yes, I still yeah. get the feeling that someone is going to be joining the organization before the lights go out. Just a gut feel. <sighs> and so we did get a question uh a fun say that it was shay but let me just double check mm-hmm. yes shane skladani predict i'm assuming we actually sign at least one of each this is broken like mariner's twitter and we're we're wilding out out here people are desperate so joe if there was to be a person who do you think that person might be uh pitcher i'm gonna say michael lorenzen just a gut feel Ooh. I like that. Yeah. Low. Or Nick or Nick Martinez out of the KBO. I just I think maybe hmm, with the I market like Nick not Martinez. moving. I do too. I think, I think I had to with, write him up for the pie. He's not going to cost you more than two million bucks. And um, was you know, he with the I, Pirates in twenty? He was. He was with the Rangers, I think. So would he be this year's Chris Flexen, so to speak? I think that's the idea. I think with the market not moving as fast as Jerry wants it to move. Uh, especially if they don't land Kevin Gossman, he's got to kind of yeah. he's got to go out and get some affordable innings options uh, before the market gobbles itself up. So I would say Nick Martinez or Michael Lorenzen, uh, mostly because both of them can fit a hybrid role if it's not working out in the rotation. And then hitters, I don't know. I I, I tend to think the first hitter that Seattle's going to acquire is going to be via trade. Hmm. I don't have any names, but I just, just kind of get it. that feeling. Feel it. Uh, how about you, Evan? Um, what What do you feel the percentages, and who do you think might happen? Uh man, I'm gonna go with a straight fifty fifty. What? I don't really know if I have a specific guess. I'm, I I can give you an archetype, and I think that Joe's guess of Dick Martinez is really interesting because I think that they do they fill. One of those starting pitcher spots is probably the easiest thing to sign and probably like the most reasonable dollar amount for given where we're at in this whole situation. Uh, But when I'm looking at the landscape and who's signed specifically and for how much money and kind of just how this has all gone down so far, I really get the sense that people are waiting to see how it plays out. And that's not super typical. And that makes things really weird because, you know, when you look at like Thor signed for 20 million um uh craven got 24 million yesterday i think that those are guys who have assessed the level of risk and don't think they're going to get any more money waiting it out but just about everyone else is under the impression that they might and that complicates things you know like it feels like marcus Semyon's market has been complicated over the last couple days with like you know the rangers stepping in and talking about signing clayton kershaw and all these you know we've heard like weird stuff and we're at the point in the year where we're hearing kind of everything. Everything in the kitchen sink is getting thrown at us. And I just don't know what to make of it. I really thought the Mariners would have already signed someone for some reason to do something, and they haven't really done anything. <laughs> so um, I'm a little, I'm a little, I'm at a loss to give anyone any specific names. I don't, you know, like I agree with what Joe said about Nick Martinez. I think they could sign Tyler Anderson at any given moment. Oh, but. yeah. I mean, that's, that's a slam dunk. Like, look, come on. The man should theoretically be thrilled to resign with you give him what he wants it does not tyler anderson is not going to be out here asking for the moon you know 
Yeah, and the only that reason would you wouldn't sign Tyler win. Anderson is if you wanted Nick Martinez instead for like that exact same role, and you had you know Sonny Gray coming down the pipe or something. But it just it makes a lot of sense to me. Um, I'm going to say that I'm a little more doer on the. Is that how you say that? D o u r dower. The the perils of being a child who read a lot and did not talk to people is that there are a lot of words in my vocabulary that um, I've seen on paper but not heard come out of a human mouth. So uh, I'm going to go with doer. Uh, But anyway, I'm doer about the the possibilities of them of any anything happening really. Just because I feel like when I see Marcus Simeon is asking for two hundred million dollars, I just feel like that. I like Marcus Simeon. I like his fit here. I think he's a good player and he deserves a big contract that will carry him comfortably into uh, his later kind of free agency years so he doesn't have to worry about money. That being said, I feel like $200 million is too much money. Like, he's not getting that. That's like $50 million more money than I would feel comfortable handing him. And again, it's not my money. I'm always on the pro side of hand out more money than less. But I think there's a point where we get like silly with it. Uh, And for me, uh, that is, yeah. So if that's what the market is, and that's for Marcus Simeon, I don't know what Correa's looks like. I mean, obviously, we've always guessed it's in like the 300s. I think as we've seen in past years, some of those big dominoes have to fall before you start getting like, more of the kind of mid to upper range ones that we're hopeful the Mariners are even targeting. But it seems like everyone is just engaged in kind of this waiting game right now. So there's going to be dominoes, Kate, as soon as one of these guys goes, especially I just don't think that it's going to happen this week or like maybe not. Yeah, maybe not. You don't want to be the guy that kind of sets the precedent. You don't want to be the guy that puts the dollar number and then gets beat out by four other guys. Um. But I just I get the feeling one of these guys wants to get off the market before things slow down. Right. Could be wrong. I, I would certainly want to. I mean, I would like to have my cash in hand and um, just know that I'm set up going ahead. But I, yeah, I mean, there are so many other things the Mariners could announce too. like, I don't know, the Tyler Anderson thing, I think, is a is a win. Easy win. You could extend what do you give Mitch Tyler what do you give Tyler Anderson? Honestly, Assuming like, that a budget exists. Pretty much like whatever he wants. Like, what does he want? What is what does Tyler Anderson realistically well, I, I want? I mean, if you're... I don't like know. Like, three I mean, years? Three years? I'm, I'm no years. way. Am I, I'm not touching that. No way. Three? I mean, I mean, so what? You get two decent years out of him, and then if you have to, like, eat the money on the back end, fine. So be it. I don't know if you get two years out of Tyler Anderson. You don't think so? Up until this year, up and up until 2021, he wasn't a very good pitcher. I mean, he was a 4.81 ERA this year with Seattle, and he's never had an ERA under 4.3. Going to be 32. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, my so here's what I think is I think the Mariners yeah. have a Do really him- clearly defined plan of like how they can make pitchers better, and there are pitchers that they specifically target who they think will have success here. And I don't know if Tyler Anderson was necessarily that guy or he was the best guy available to them at the deadline guy. So 
Honestly, I feel like the Mariners pitching development, pitching very specifically, pitching player development has earned our trust because they have done this multiple times. Kikuchi kind of notwithstanding, and I think there are other issues at play there, but they have a track record of being able to take these guys and maximize their skill set and being able to identify guys who will succeed within their framework. So I'm really comfortable with them pursuing whoever they think that fit is. The problem is I just have to be like, kind of operate in good faith that they're going to be willing to. An, an organization that is honestly kind of famously uh, tight-fisted for no good reason at all, um, that they are going to pay those players what they deserve. And I know that there was a lot of frustration. Like, it was frustrating to see Syndergaard go to the Angels on a one-year contract, which is very easy, like, very doable, it feels like. And 20 mil is a lot, but, you know, it's one year. There's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. And then... Steven Matz went to the Cardinals. I know people were also kind of like, mm, that's not very much. Like, why couldn't the Mariners have offered that? Like, do we even think Matz wanted to go any further west of the Mississippi? Nope. The Angels There's were no apparently... way the Angels, there's no way the Angels weren't going to outbid that. Like, there's no yeah. way the Angels wouldn't do three years, 45 million yeah. for so Steven Matz. It's always hard, too, because you have to think about where guys want to go. And like, mm, not a ton. It really takes somebody who's dialed into what the Mariners are doing to be invested in wanting to come here too. So uh, I'm I'm really not stressed about them adding to the rotation. I trust them to make additions that are going to make sense and make the team better, and find guys that like Chris Flexen that they're going to help develop and move forward. And I think a lot of those guys are in the farm system, too. Like, we have relievers coming up. I haven't talked about this yet at all, but I was at the Arizona Fall League, saw a couple of our young relievers who are maybe not um, getting a ton of attention yet, but, like, are definitely, I think, names that you should know for people who are going to be in Seattle, if not this upcoming year, probably the year after. Um, so that like they've got some pitching talent in the farm system. We can move some of those guys up. It it's a little slower timeline than I would like, but I'm not I'm not fussed about that. I'm very fussed about adding wins to the position player side of thing. I'm very stressed out about like can they develop a hitter? Because uh, we have not really seen that yet at the major league level. I'm very stressed about re- replacing Kyle Seeger uh, and just the infield in general. I'm 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 stressed. I'm stressed about that part, and that is the part that for them to kind of be. So, so it feels like the pitcher market is moving. It feels less so on the position player side. I'm trying to be patient with that, but that's the part that worries me. You have to be patient because judging a judging a team on their offseason by the players that they didn't get on November 24th is going to drive you insane. Right. Absolutely insane. You have to judge this team on what its roster looks like on you know, February 15th. Um, but yeah, I'm with you, especially in terms of pitching. I think you kind of laid it out there uh, pretty well. The pitching development side of things in this organization has proven year in and year out that they can 
they can get the best out of an arm that they acquire. So while I would be pretty concerned if Nick Martinez and Michael Lorenzen were like the only two additions to this team, um, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be terrified because at the end of the day, so much of this rebuild and this competitive window, frankly, is going to rely on, uh, or depend on Logan Gilbert, George Kirby, Julio Rodriguez, and, and Jared Kelnick. And if, you know, three of those four players aren't big league solid above average or better contributors, then uh, it's probably a moot point anyways. Um, I th- th- the thing that's kind of bothering me, and this has kind of shifted in the social media space is it seems like it seems like the casual fan has made it so if Jerry doesn't land Marcus Simeon or Chris Bryant or right. one of these you know, major halls that he has once again failed. And I just think that's such a problematic. Ooh, I, I blame way of the greater I blame the greater mediascape for that because there has been so much attention from 710, for example, on like and especially like they don't usually talk baseball, but they have like it's all Seahawks all the time, right? Like right now, if you turn on the the radio at any given point of the day. And it's still like 85% Seahawks, but that 5% of Mariners talk is all like, who will the Mariners sign and why will it be Marcus Simeon? Like, it's very focused, the talk is very focused on those bigger names, and it's not as focused on, you know, the the things that we kind of know about the way that the team operates, which is, we know they prefer to do things via trade. I mean, I mean Jerry, Jerry, has come out Jerry can't go to the GM sure. meetings and say names for sure. For sure. What name another GM that has said, you know, I mean, I was watching an, uh, an Alavila interview the other day and he said, you know, we're in the shortstop market. We like the shortstops. We'll see if they, you know, end up in our in our ballpark. And Jerry came out in the GM meetings and said, you know, we really like Marcus Simeon. And this is reason A, B, C, D and Y. Uh, we really like, you know, this Chris Bryan. He's got versatility, blah, 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 blah. And I think when you bring up those names, you set a expectation for your fan right. base that you're going to land right. one of them. And the unfortunate situation is there are 12 organizations that have the money to get those guys right now. And right. And the you know, desire and the need. Um, yeah, I mean, this this Mariners ball club could be really good in 2022. Uh, and it's easy to to see that happening without one of those players, but right. it's going to take some creativity. I agree. And I, I agree with like, this is, I think kind of a troubling trend of DePoto just like overplaying his hand. You know, we saw that also at the, um, at the trade deadline, like, Oh, we're not done yet. We've got more, more stuff coming. And then the more stuff was like Tyler Anderson, which was definitely more stuff uh, quantitatively. But qualitatively, uh, maybe not not quite what the fan base was hoping for. And you're, I think it's a misread of how hungry this fan base is. And, like, just the general level of engagement with the team. Because, uh, like, people want to understand. They want to know things. Um, but a lot of times you are dealing with recognizable names for the vast majority of the fan base like the vast majority of the fan base is not listening to this podcast right now as much as i would love to imagine that they were um and we appreciate 
all of you hardcore fans who are listening. Um, but it is it it's really easy to get people excited by dangling those specific names. And I feel until I'm proven otherwise, I am suspicious of this franchise because I'm suspicious of them gaslighting us essentially by saying, you know, we're in on these guys and we're doing these things. And then when actually push comes to shove, them being like, well, we tried as hard as we could. Well, we were, you know, we were in on that one until the end. It's like, well, I mean, all of this talk is cheap. Talk is cheap. At the end of the day, talk is cheap. And while it's cool to hear these kinds of things, because we've never heard them before, um, I'm very much in an I'll believe it when I see it kind of position. And also, like, maybe pipe down about Marcus Simeon and uh, don't let the whole world know that you're that the Mariners are the team that they're competing against and you can maybe drive the Mariners into paying a premium. Uh, maybe don't give the agent some leverage. Maybe just don't say so much in general. I feel like uh, an RIP to our great staff writer, Tim, we miss him so much. Uh, Tim's advice as a lawyer was always say less. And I just, I've, I've really hoping that the spirit of Tim appears to Jerry DePoto and, and inspires him to take that very good piece of advice, say less. Yeah. I mean, from a business point of view, Jerry has cornered himself into a corner where he's going to have to pay maybe more than what he would have because he seems desperate. Maybe desperate isn't the word, but um, he has to fulfill a bet, (laughs) you know, kind of like at the horse races. Like, hey, you said that you're going to win, you know, pay up. Go get Marcus Simeon. I don't know. It's a weird situation right now, but I do wish one domino would fall just right. so we can kind of get things moving. And just well, so the narrative on social media can change, because my goodness, I mean, we're, it's it's not even Thanksgiving, and, and Mariners are going to Mariner is already right. trending. Well, it's a weird mix between that and, especially after the Sounders lost last night, which was heartbreaking. Uh, We did get a question from somebody who said, let me see. Uh, uh, Thank you, Evan, 69 acres. New baseball rule. If the game is tied after 12 innings, it just goes to a five players from each time single pitch home run derby. Is this a good system or will it just mean the superior team will get a fluky heartbreak loss? I did not watch the game, but I uh, know enough to know that that is referencing a very heartbreaking Sounders loss. So sorry for everyone who is uh, feeling some pain today. Hopefully some nice carbs tomorrow will offset that that pain. But it does put, I think, an uncomfortable amount of uh, attention on the Mariners. Like, help us, Mariners. You're our only hope Like for the successful Seattle sportsing. And that is a very risky proposition. Um, I would suggest everyone turn their eyes to the Storm instead, who have a much more demonstrated track record of winning. Um, but it's a weird, it's a weird place to be. It's a fun place to be, but it's also a scary place to be. I feel like Jesse Spano. I'm so excited. I'm so scared. Like <laughs> we're in a new place where all of a sudden the Mariners have all these eyes on them, and that's going to have good things in far insofar as. You know, we get that extra 10% on 710 every day and of Mariners talk. And, like, people are 
this is maybe one of the most engaged off seasons I've seen for the fans, just as far as like, I don't love everything they're saying, but people are tweeting oh, I've about seen the Mariners. so many people move they're talking from about only Mariners. talking about the Seahawks to only talking about. I mean, I've seen blogs like, you know, blogs that have three, four, five hundred followers switch from being a Seahawks blog to a Mariners blog all of a sudden. Like, that's oh. all they want to talk about. I mean, so it's nice to see this many eyes on the team. It um, sure it'd be is. really nice sure if, if, you know, there was something that came down before December 1st just to, you know, spark the conversation right. through the dead period. Something, something, something. Um, how do we feel going from another question from Joe Asmundson? Uh, Seiya Suzuki doesn't really fit a need at corner outfield. Uh, let's put a pin in that. But at the price tag and his potential seems worth pursuing, how would they manage the outfield if we signed him? Uh, if you want a brief primer on Seiya Suzuki, who's being posted from MPB, right? He's MPB. Yeah. Um, who is apparently going to be posted, and there's going to be, I think, if there is a lockout, some like weird things about how long his eligibility is going to go and if it'll pause in the in the mid the middle of it or not. Uh but anyway, John wrote up a profile of how Suzuki fits this offense. You can go read it on the site. I mean, just he fits the offense because he's a corner outfielder who is actually an outfielder and not Dylan Moore doing his best super utility uh and not Jake Fraley you know, or whatever remaining body parts of Jake Fraley are healthy at any given time. So in that sense, he definitely fits the roster. He doesn't cost anything other than money, which we love. No prospects given up. Uh, I would love for the Mariners to be in on Seiya Suzuki, and it says that they are. So um, we'll see. What are your feelings, Joe? If you want to see a real Twitter meltdown, it's when Seattle doesn't get Seiya Suzuki and someone gets him for Three years, twenty-four million. Why would you say that? What? It's just it's it's wood it, you know. If, you. I'm knocking on wood. Just all of you, all of you listeners at home can know. I'm knocking on so much wood. I'm trying to like unhex what Joe just said. <laughs> Evan had to leave. If you've noticed, there's like no Evan has been no Evan on the pod. They decided to cut his power apparently, which seems like a great idea on the day before Thanksgiving. So anyway, prayers up for Evan. But yeah, so now I'm stuck with Joe in this 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 insanity that's just come out of your mouth. Why would you say I, that? Because are every, you okay? Everything that I've seen, and this is public information, has been that he's not going to be as expensive as people think. Three years, twenty-one. Three years, twenty-eight. Four years, thirty. Those are the kind of things that I've seen thrown around, and. Unfortunately, unfortunately, the articles that are being written about Seiya Suzuki, and this isn't pointed towards John, this is pointed towards absolutely everybody. The lead is always, is Seiya Suzuki the next superstar to come over from Japan? And uh, it's setting yes. such yes. a unnecessary narrative around a demographic of players that has not panned out by no. and large. No, no. And I mean, I think we could, I don't like to lump KBO and NPB players together, but it is a similar style of I'm play saying, in Asia. I'm just saying older we, international players. players. Okay, or we could even broaden that to older international players. Although I think, like, in general, the style of play in NPB, KBO, 
is more of a contact oriented, right? It's more of a singles. And there's no velo. I mean, uh, yeah. I shouldn't say there's no velo, but it, nightly it's 89 to 91. Unless and you've got like uh, Tiago Vieira in there who is there, an there intriguing ex mariner There are a handful thrower. of. There are a handful sure. of pitchers over there that are throwing 97. Sure. But generally, uh, it's it's more contact-based against lower-velocity pitching. And it can, has... Can you hit an early-in-the-count curveball? Can you, you know, things like that. And right. That, it, it's more... For sluggers like, especially, it's a tricky... It's a tricky come-over. Yeah. It is, a, it is definitely a tricky... Um, and and there's something there's there hasn't been a ton of success with it, right? Like we saw, uh, what's his name, Kim in for the Padres, really struggled yeah, I mean, this year. I mean, um, why not just use just use Deho Lee? I, I mean, when Deho Lee came over, and everyone loved Deho Lee, but he was a 300 hitter three years in a row when he came over from uh, the Japanese baseball league. Um, you know, he he hit 24 home runs. 22 home runs, 24 home runs, 44 home runs, 31 home runs. And then he got over to Seattle and he hit 253 with 14 home runs. I, I mean, yeah. And that's, just, that's like the best case scenario. Like, that's the best slugger to come out of that, you know, the international circuit since like Hideki Matsui. So I just think it's, um, it's, it's tricky. I, yeah, I think you're almost say better Suzuki off could with be good. a kind of more contact based, just because, especially if you don't have someone on your team who's a contact hitter who can get on base a lot. Like, that's a really, but obviously, as we've seen, that type of player has kind of fallen out of favor uh, everywhere except the Chicago Cubs organization, who just seem to be collecting, you know, they traded for Madrigal, they have uh, Nico Horner, like, they've just tried to amass that player in spades. I would laugh really hard if the Cubs signed Seiya Suzuki. Um, I just think I can, if he's coming over here and you're expecting anything more than a solid average player, right. you're probably going to be disappointed. I don't want to take the wins totally out of their sails, but he's probably just an average to above average outfielder, which is something like a. I'm trying to think of a guy that played for the Mariners that, you know, could ah, be, are you trying to think of, of a solid to average? To like a Michael Saunders. Okay. You know, like a well, 255 I mean, hitter who hits 20 home runs. Than my, hopefully more yeah, durable than Mike Saunders. A corner outfielder that you could force into center field. Like that's the type of player you're probably buying. Is that a player who would help the 2022 Mariners? Yes, it would. Like Yes, but is it a player worth burning down grocery stores about if we don't get? No. No. No, um, and honestly, like there are a lot of outfielders you could trade for one of those outfielders. Like you can pick up somebody's spare outfielder and and probably get close-ish to similar production um, if you've done a good job scouting or you've given up something semi worthwhile for them. I mean, I'd I would rather, rather have spend... Suzuki because he costs money, and that's it. And he's a more proven commodity than if you're taking someone out of some other team's AAA team, but. I'd rather just spend 50 million bucks on Michael Conforto over three years. Oh, thank you. No, thank you. No, thank you. I do not want, I don't know. I mean, I do know why. I don't feel like Michael Conforto, I 
don't think he's durable and I think he's going to get hurt. Uh, and that is my feeling about Michael Conforto and I don't want him on the roster, but I know that other people are excited about him. So I will try really hard to be a grown up about it. If we do get him. He would absolutely be an upgrade. There's what? no doubt about that. Well, I mean, again, we're looking at Dylan Moore, Jake Braley, and the ghost of Kyle Lewis. So it's not yeah. hard to upgrade that outfield. Um, let's talk about trades a little. Is there anyone, and I think John is going to be joining us soon, having wrestled the children in his Victorian orphanage for the day. Um, which players at the MLB le- level would you be willing to trade away? Uh, would, is there any scenario in which you would trade Hanniger? No, but I don't know if that's the same for the team or Kelnick. No, Hold on, let's talk I Hanager. think that is the same for the team. Let's talk Hanniger because uh, Jason and I talked about this for like 40 minutes this week. In what, in, in, like, in what universe does it even make sense to move Hanniger? For, for so many pronged reasons. I, I can't figure out a reason why this team would move Hanniger. He's the vocal leader. He wrote the Players' Tribune article. His value is extreme. It's so much lower than everyone thinks it is. You could not get much for Mitch Hanniger right now on a one-year deal. Uh, his injury history makes him an inherent risk for anybody that wants to acquire him. Uh, most people would say that he is a, a fringy, at best, defensive outfielder. I What, like... In what universe are you trading Mitch Hanniger and for what? Um, I think Mitch Hanniger earned himself a contract extension by writing that Players' Tribune article. That might have uh, paid off for him in oh, so too. many ways. Because I, I think Seattle's interested. Base, yeah. Between the end of the last year where he's like, you know, that picture of him against the lights, that dramatic picture after he hits that winning home run, like, incredible moment. And then the Players' Tribune article, and it's like, here's a rallying point. Here's someone, like, if you look at the three faces of the team right now, it's Hanniger, JP, and Marco. And, like, maybe other guys will rise up. I think Kelnick will be part of that by the end of this yeah, season. Like he's May just not. still be selling tickets. I mean, he's, he's got to hit first. But I don't think I don't the, think the conversation first. around Hanniger should not be, should we trade him because he only has one year of control left? Because for everyone listening, you can't get anything for Mitch Hanniger right now. I'm sorry. You can't get anything more than like a, like a Tyler Anderson type on a one-year deal, like a number four starter on a one-year deal, or a fringy number five, like an Eric Fetty from the Nationals on a two-year, with two years of control. You're just not going to get it. The question surrounding Hanniger should be, are you comfortable with a contract extension that goes past 2024? Yeah. If you're, if you're comfortable with a three-year contract extension after this year, I think that's a really interesting talking point. Um, but he's not going anywhere. Not unless the team has totally plummeted yeah. in July. Yeah. yeah. And that's even then, the only... if they moved him in July, you're not... You're not going to get anything for Mitch Hanniger. You're not going to get anything for two months of Mitch Hanniger. I'm sorry. I mean, you get something, but like not maybe the same value. And this is the, we had this conversation last year. Like it would not return the same value to Seattle that Seattle fans have invested in Mitch Hanniger. What Mitch Hanniger means, like both on the field and off the field, as far as he's one of our best hitters on a bad team. Bad, poor hitting team and he's one of the only recognizable players after these years of like 
churn. Um, so it, it's definitely, I think, the, the, I hope the front office is smart enough to know that they absolutely cannot move Hanager and not have, like, some form of revolt come from the fan base because he so crystallized himself as the guy towards the end of the season and um, honestly did a better job, I think, amping up the fan base with that Players Tribune article than the team itself. Because as much as the Mariners can tweet about CS Rise and they can, you know, put out these hype videos and they can plaster Julio's face on every available surface, it means more when it comes from a player themselves, or and especially a player like Hanager, who's been, you know, kind of through hell and back. Like, there's, I think, a sympathetic feeling towards Hanager among the fan base. Like, I feel protective of him in ways because he's been on this hard road and it feels very analogous to being a Mariners fan and he's fought his way through and he's worked really hard and he's rehabbed himself and he's out there crushing it again this offseason. I think he comes back this year and he's exactly the same player he was last year, if not a little better. And uh, yeah. Is that John? Hey, John. Did John just stop on? <laughs> oh, you betcha. Oh, Hello. John got here in time for Hanager chat. Oh, I've, baby. I took up your mantle, John, and uh, and I I became the people's champion of Mitch Hanager. So, but the people but if, the people need a champion, and uh, <laughs> specifically for Hanager related activities. Woo. What you doing over there? What is John? Uh, no, I work at Climate Pledge Arena doing a sound <laughs> test for whoever's playing tonight. I yeah, I am in a large empty classroom at the moment uh, recording. So. Like like so many of our nation's great heroes have recorded their best uh, their best work. Uh, I am in a hundred year old building that has a spooky uh, blindfolded child photo on the wall, and I don't really know why. So, uh, not asking too many questions. Just here to- no, I told you, I told you all, John would be joining us live from his haunted Victorian orphanage. Did I not say that? So yeah, it's uh, it's not too far off. Um, but, uh, we're, uh, we're here. Uh, I assume you guys have been, uh, covering the Mets exclusively. Um, mm, mm, <laughs> no, no, we've been, we've been talking. We're just talking about. I would about- like to say, I, I wish John Stanton would complain on the internet more often. I think the tweets would be just absolutely beautifully crafted. <laughs> oh, I would like yeah. the job of being John Stanton's because I've heard that this is how it goes is John Stanton has like a designated internet reader uh-huh. who reads the blogs and the, the Twitter and the, the whatnot, and then is charged with like delivering a report to John Stanton. And I just feel like this is my job basically already. Snoop Dogg Dogg has has his own blunt roller and the blunt roller puts it in his mouth and lights it for him. He doesn't do anything anymore. He pays him 58,000 a year. Did you know that? That's more than a Mariners coach makes. $58,000 a year to roll blunts and light them up for Snoop. That's more than you get for being the hitting coach at double a Arkansas. So that's, that's great to hear. Um, John, we're talking trades. You want to talk trades? Uh, you think there's anyone that they're going to trade off of the big league roster? Um, I would be 
pretty confident that they trade one of their outfielders and that they trade uh, at least someone from the bullpen. That's that's who I think they trade. Um, uh, but by one of their outfielders, which one of our <laughs> functioning outfielders do you mean? If you're ruling out Hanniger and Kelnick, um, I could see. I, I think it. This is a cop out, but it really does come down to what is the other team looking for. You know, if it's to a team that is, I think, in or close to contention or sees itself as such, I think you're looking at Fraley or. Uh, how much Lewis? would we have to? How much would we have to pay another team to take Jake Fraley from us? <laughs> what are you thinking? Um, I, I think Jake Fraley is a positive. I know. I know it's a. It's it's not totally about what he does on the field. I do think he is a general positive for some team, just in that he gets on base. He, you know, you can stick him in the mm-hmm, outfield. He's mm-hmm, a he's a sure. he's a positive base runner. Um, but he just you know he could be someone you try and play all the time. And the Mariners, I don't think, are in that spot. But if you want him to be your fourth mm-hmm. outfielder and you're a good team, I think that's perfectly fine. Um, okay. You know, I mean, Mountain Gamble, right? You know, he's the, right. he's the sort of stretched center fielder, but you can mm-hmm. stick him out there uh, in a pinch and he can be a good pinch runner. Mm-hmm. Uh, aren't, if you're, the, aren't the Mariners a hopefully good team that would only use him as a fourth outfielder? Uh, they are, but I think if you... I, that's why I think you'd expect them to move somebody, right? Because either they're going to add an outfielder uh, to the point where they will have, theoretically, Hanniger, Jared Kelnick, and at some point, Julio Rodriguez up this coming season. Um, in a, Then you still have Kyle Lewis. You still have, um, you know, so potentially this uh, you know mystery edition whether it's say Suzuki or someone else uh i think that that is a you're looking at a circumstance where you have four to five players that you could plausibly be starting in the outfield and while that's not a bad thing there are enough holes elsewhere i think that you want to make a trade there and that's not even getting into taylor tramell who i don't think Tramiel has more value Personally, I agree, but I think Tramel has more value uh, if you're trading to a more rebuilding roster where someone can say, hey, we're going to start you 140 games this year. We know it's going to look rough sometimes, but we think ultimately, you know, that's going to develop over the next few years into someone contributing. And for that, you know, that's, you know, uh, we talked about Brian Reynolds um, and I think in a move to a team like that and team like the Pirates, a team like the Orioles, what um, about the twins? looking at John Means certainly could be the twins. Although, you know, I just, I don't really, I, I have such a tough time telling what the twins think their window is. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, not totally, I mean, it is their fault explicitly. Well, but I just wonder like if, Buxton, if Buxton is in flux right now, like nobody oh, knows what's going to happen with Buxton. We got a question about Buxton. Uh, oh. yes, we got a question. Hold on, let me find it. Uh, Brian, a player to be named later. It, of course, depends on the pieces involved, but can I gauge your interest in a trade for Buxton? I mean, I would love Buxton, but 
he is such an enigma on this market. Yeah. I have no idea what his value is. I have no idea what it would take to resign him. I don't know if I mean if you're fed up with Jake Fraley not being on the field. How many how much years does Buxton you have left? Want? One. Oh, this is it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, we're looking at like one incredibly good season and a lot of hurt seasons, right? I mean, I mean he had an incredibly of- good year this year. He just played forty games. Yeah, he's had one season where he's played 100 games. And that was 2017. He played 140. Ooh. Every other year he's had, it's gone. 46, 92, 140, 28, 87, 39. The 39 being in the, the COVID game season. And then 61 this year. And, <sighs> I mean, he was a four-win player in just that amount of time. Right. You know? So I will say I don't think you acquire Buxton without the expectation you're gonna pay him. You know, maybe right. you you, you right. bring him in with a plan, you bring him in with a player development plan to keep him healthy. Um he's had such weird injuries. I mean, this year it was what was it this year? It was the thumb that he landed on when he dove or something like that, or it's just, it's right. never been one thing with Byron right. Buxton. It's always been something else. So, yeah. Well, and to, to, I mean, to his credit, he did come back. He, he, he was back for all of the month of, uh, of September. Um, and he was basically an everyday player, uh, and was good, was, was excellent, you know, was still fabulous. Um, you know, he just, would you missed. give Buxton, would you give Buxton six years, a hundred million? Yes. Yeah, I would. Because um, I know he turned down. What was it? Was it six years, sixty from the Twins? I think oh, so. That's yeah. so poor. That's so, that's yeah. embarrassing. It's not, it's not close, that's but I do think I do think six years, sixty or six years, one hundred would be a massive, massive underpay if he stays healthy. But right. at the same time, like Buxton's Which representation, Buxton's representation can't go in with this thought that he's going to get six years, one eighty. Like he could probably deserve yeah so he's playing if i'm bucks i'm trying to secure yeah. a bag right now yeah Somewhere. i think you Somehow. yeah i i mean the, i guess it comes down to right like do you because i because i think the mariners are well set up to have a byron buxton to have literally byron buxton especially if they keep some of that outfield depth, right? If you have Taylor Trammell in your system and you have, you know, Kelnick, Hanniger, Julio, uh, Fraley, and Kyle Lewis, right? You're probably moving at least one of those to, to get Buxton, but you, you're relatively well set up to have an interesting um, and, and solid backup for, for keeping him fresh. The challenge is, are you really improving yourself that much over Kyle Lewis, who is sort of in a similar limbo state of all-star talent. Can he ever stay healthy long-term? And, you know, like, is it worth trading for a older version of a player you kind of already have? And that's an oversimplification. Buxton's a better player than Lewis, but... You know he's he's t- going to be twenty eight, and he, you know he's in really he's he's only played 
basically three seasons worth of baseball. I think Buxton's physical skill set and and tool skill set is going to age really well. I think he's going to I think he's going to be a a valuable athlete for another 5 years into his year 33 season like a much uh, like a like an Andrew McCutcheon type. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to have those tools deeper into his career. My only question is would he accept the money that Seattle like in a perfect world I think you give him 3 years 60 million, you know. Mm-hmm. Um but I don't think Buxton would take that nor do I think he should because if he goes out and he plays 100 even even 120 games this season and he posts, you know, four and a half war, someone's going to give him I would think nine figures on the free agent market after this year cuz it's not mm-hmm. an especially good class next year. No. Well, and and I think the a common sort of combo trade, combo trade is <laughs> the Buxton Josh Donaldson pairing. Right, I, I don't know that that has to be the yeah. case, but certainly would make sense that's, for the Mariners. Would work for would, us. Would right? You get a good. You get a I stop. Mean, you get a stopgap third baseman until Noel mm-hmm. is ready, mm-hmm. and uh, you get Buxton. Right, and, and you know what? Can, I would give them. I would give them Brandon Williamson for that, and call it a day. I think you're giving up more than that, but we'll see. Fine. I think they can have Brendan Williamson and one of the like 20 to 30 guys. Yeah, yeah see, that's just where I'm so stuck. I don't know what Buxton is worth on the market. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, it's one I mean it's one year. It's one I think Williamson is a fair price for one year of Buxton who does not have any kind of track record of being healthy. Even he's good when he's healthy, he's not been healthy and I just feel like you know, Brandon Williamson is a potential mid to upper rotation arm who's almost a lock with with upper minors experience and proof that he can he can do it. So I just feel like that's a that's a pretty nice return for something that is one year of something that's been shaky and then absorbing Donaldson's huge contract and saving them some money. So and you know, if you want to Donaldson play this year, what's that? Uh, 135. Oh, that's yes. more than I thought. I, I feel yeah. like his calf has just been on the operating table for three years. Um, yeah, they they DH'd him, I think, a decent amount. Um, and first based him, no, they didn't really first base him much, but uh, yeah, he he's I think he's been perfectly solid and i do think that like especially if you hold on to toro right you know that's a that, that is a way right you can keep a guy fresh it you know it, it balances your lineup pretty well uh oh man and, i didn't realize how much was left on the donaldson contract yeah it's pretty big it's hefty i mean it's like over 50 mil yeah, it's two uh, years though. It's you know, and a club option. Well, it's, it's twenty. I mean, it's twenty twenty. Is it a club option twenty twenty four? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Which is eight million. So okay. So it's still fifty million. You got to be yeah. sold that Donaldson is playing third base. I think it's twenty three, twenty one, eight, or sixteen. If you if he's good and you want to keep him, but it does. It fits. It fits the Noel V Marte timeline perfectly. So. 
I, I mean, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. I'm personally, like, not super sold on Buxton. I mean, maybe we send him to Aperos with, uh, with <laughs> Mitch and oh, get his Mitch. body right. Mm-hmm. Get him, I mean, get him climbing that wall upside down like the exorcist. What, the potential payout in acquiring Byron Buxton could be, I mean, he he's had the ability to be a 10, 10 win player his entire career. <laughs> I'm serious. Like he, no, had, he was, he was I, the MVP in April. I he was too the MVP have the April. ability to be a 10 win player. There's just, you know, a few simple things. <laughs> That are no. keeping me okay, off with all from, due respect. Byron is a little <laughs> closer than we are. <laughs> I mean, no. You know, I, this is this is the debate though that we because we've talked about Buxton before, and and you know it's like being an MVP talent, but not necessarily being capable of achieving that if you're not on the on the field. I do think the Mariners have shown a bit of an ability to properly manage and capably manage position players who need uh who need their right. sort of reps managed. So I, I'm very much interested in it. I do think it's a big swing, but Buxton Donaldson, the biggest especially if it's both of them, um, just because I do think, you know, you can you can lower the cost pretty significantly by taking on that money. Um you you add such a degree of upside and you don't you know yes it would suck if you don't resign him but and we don't know what the state of the qualifying offer would be in the future but the the chances the, i think the degree to which that it doesn't it's not going to cost you immensely from the farm system and it immediately gives right. you the potential to be a division contender there are a lot of other moves like that 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 are so that that have such a that that have a relatively low opportunity cost in that way. Um, while we're talking about acquiring players, uh, with the Universal DH, this is again Brian with Universal DH. Hopefully, coming next year is Nelson Cruz undervalued among free agents. He's first in WAR next to Mitch Moreland. And the rest are zero or negative war. It's because it's really hard to um, come up with positive war as a DH. And that's why Nelson Cruz is is special. I would love, personally, a Nelson Cruz, like, victory lap in Seattle. <laughs> uh, I think, you know, we've got the room to to play him at DH. If Mitch is indeed healthy enough to be handling right field more. I mean, he's going to need some DH days, but, uh, you know, it's, I just can't tell if I'm like so emotionally attached to the idea of Nelson Cruz as a Mariner, um, that I can't logically see, but, oh, I mean, the team has no power. Like that 2021 team, they just did not put the ball over the fence that much. And I, and especially not from the right hand side, I would really love to see Nelson Cruz smacking balls to Royal Broham again. Smacking balls. Smacking <laughs> balls over that fence. It is just, I, I mean, even if Kelnick comes around, we don't get that much power. I think Kelnick has a better year next year, but I don't know if we see like a power surge from him, if ever. Mm, I think we do. I think, I think I said this before last season. Kelnick is probably closer to a 70 power 50 runner. 
than he is a 60 runner, 60 power. Like I, I genuinely think, I, I genuinely think we have a better chance of seeing Kelnick hit 40 home runs than we see, Ooh, than I, we do of uh, seeing him hit 20 stolen bases. I will buy you a soda. Year. I will buy you a soda if he gets to. I'm just. 40 I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just saying the likelihood of him hitting 40 bombs is higher than him stealing 20 bases. I think. And I, mean, I think the narrative around him dealer. coming up. Yeah, I don't think he's a great runner anymore. Um, um, well, he's he's never been like an awesome runner, uh, and I think it's it's declined some a little. And plus, he's I've seen him get hurt sliding into bases, so I would just prefer he not do yeah, that. Yeah, I don't care if the speed's whole, not part of his game. But the Nelson Cruz thing is is interesting though. I think it just comes down to philosophy. I'm I'm of the philosophy that you should use the DH as a like pragmatically to get guys off their feet like we did this year. I thought it paid huge dividends for Mitch. I mean, he was able to play a ton of games and I don't think that would have been the case had he been in even right Seager. field every night. Even, even Seager. Well. Seager played every game, I think. I, maybe I missed a few games. Yeah, but, um, you know, it gives you the ability to get France off of his feet. I mean, if Evan White starts hitting, it gives you the ability to, you know, DH uh, tie France. I, I think it it gives you more flexibility I think there are teams that are one big slugger away, like the Rays were, um, to to getting over the hump. But yeah, I mean, if you're okay with sacrificing the DH for Nelson Cruz, by all means. Don, did you want to weigh in on that, or? I yeah, I'm. Based on the construction of the Mariners roster, I think that they are well, they're better set up to cycle people through as opposed to having a set DH, which stinks because Nelson Cruz does sort of shift that and also just in general is one of the most entertaining players to watch. Uh, but uh, yeah, I do think, I mean, especially if they're starting. 2021 or 2022 rather with Kyle Lewis on their roster uh they got to have yeah. the ability to DH you know they got to be able to rotate people through um cuz yeah there's, there's too many people with knee, with leg injuries uh on this on this uh unit uh All for right. them to be missing time now that you've crushed my dreams let's talk about something fun uh <laughs> Who will be, and this is a question from Jace. Gotta learn how to say Jace's last name. B-E-I-N-E. My brain wants me to say it like it rhymes with Heine, but I know that that cannot be right. Anyway, sorry, Jace. For I'm saying Bane. I'm gonna go with Bane. Yeah, Bane. That's badass. Jace Bane is a badass name. Good job, Jace. Uh, Jace wants to know who you think the most improved Mariners player will be in 2022. I'm going to go first, so you can't take my answer. And <laughs> this it's Jared seems like Kelnick. slam dunk. <laughs> <laughs> it's Jared Kelnick, right? Yeah, it's yeah. obviously Jared Kelnick. Should we should we cap ourselves and say we can't say Jared Kelnick, so we have to get creative about it? Would we all have said Jared? Yeah, it's yes. such a slam dunk. <laughs> yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. Let's say let's say something different. Let's okay. So non Jared Kelnick edition because we all believe that he's and obviously his performance towards the end of the year kind of indicated he's on the upswing we all believe that Jared is going to really show who he is this next year and and I think he's going to make a he's going to make a lot of people eat some words this upcoming season but 
Beyond Jared, who do you think is the most improved Mariner in 2022? I, I will go. Uh, oh, go no, ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I am going to take uh, Logan Gilbert, which is sort of oh, boy. copping it out. So but, good. But already so good. Well, he was already solid, right? But like the results were a little behind the 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 stuff and the because of especially a few of his early bad outings and because he basically was not a one pitch pitcher, but kind of was just rolling the fastball out there because it was a real good fastball in many ways. Um, And. I think he tightens it up. This is something I'm working on for an article, actually, about how sort of interesting his fastball was because it wasn't quite his ideal version of the pitch. But at the same time, it was so effective uh, just in terms of results. He got so many foul balls on it. He got so many you know missed barrels relatively that – uh, I think as he gets more comfortable and tightens up his control and is on the corners instead of just in the zone, uh, with his velocity, with his extension, with his, you know, it, just everything that he does, uh, I, I think we'll see, even if he just tightens that up without expanding on his off-speed pitches, which I do think will also be there. Uh, I think he takes a step forward, but I think also if he gets his off-speed pitches just a little more comfortable, a little more confident, which is really common with young pitchers that, you know, you look at so many top-level starting pitchers, their first year or two, they were mostly fastballs and got more com- as they got more comfortable with their off-speed, that's when they really started to take off. Uh, and I think that that's something Gilbert we could see from Gilbert next year. Joe, I like John's argument a lot. That was, I think that's good. Um, I'm gonna go with Diego Castillo because I think he was uh, pretty average with Seattle, and I think he's gonna step back into an eighth <laughs> inning role. Yeah, kind of an off the wall idea. I mean, I thought about Cal mm-hmm. Raleigh. I thought about um, Tom Murphy. I thought about some different guys that might have lower hanging fruit. Dylan Moore, but I think. Castillo's going to turn into a a really relied upon high leverage guy and less of a sixth inning, you know, we need a couple of outs type of guy. So especially if we move uh, a reliever like some of us are uh, predicting we'll do. Or maybe I'll go with Ken Giles. I think his arm is going to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. From, from the base you start from, you got to right. assume that's a, yeah. that's a, a good one. I mean, in that same vein, I'm going to say Evan White will actually play some baseball games on a field this year and therefore will be the most improved technical (laughs) manner. No, I'm going to actually, though, do I since you guys picked so well and uh, I was thinking about Cal Raleigh, but I'm going to I'm going to veer off a little bit and say. Justin Dunn. Uh, I think Justin Dunn is, comes out in spring training and surprises people because he looked good before. He looked good in spring training. He really looked like he had a sense of his command. He was making his pitches work. They were doing what he wanted to. He just, his body language was so improved. He had such better command. And then, you know, 
thing he got shut down and and things things did not go well i think after a year of rehabbing but still with that like newfound confidence he goes out and if not fighting for a rotation spot like is pushing for a set up man type bullpen spot but i would really like to see uh him in the rotation just because right now there is uh, a dearth of players in the rotation but i don't know it's a little curious to me that we haven't heard anything from the organization like and also justin dunn himself has not been like super active and posting like you know all the off-season stuff that they usually do i don't know if he was at the high performance camp like training with the guys this off-season or not i didn't see anything like that i do not know where Justin Dunn is. I assume he's in Arizona at the house. Yeah, that he they had built. an update three but, weeks ago, and they said he's back to full health and he'll be ready for spring training, which is yeah. markedly not what they said about Kyle Lewis. So, right, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I'm, about Justin Dunn. It's just like I was hoping to see a little more like self promotion, but there's still time for that. There's plenty of time for that. Maybe Justin is just getting all his Christmas shopping done early, and you know, we'll hear from him a little later on, but. He's definitely, I was so excited. I was excited about him, and I was excited about Rowanis Elias, who is at the Mariners Complex. Um, yeah, they signed him some, to that multi-year minor league deal uh, yeah. after his TJ, so theoretically he's been working yeah, back. Yeah, he's, he's I've seen some pictures of him. He's in the complex. He's working out. He's with the other TJ Warriors. Uh, Matt McGill, if you would like that name, blasted from your past. Matt McGill is still with... He is there. He is also working out with the team. It's like him, Munoz, because Munoz was saying he learned a bunch from McGill because McGill was like shepherding him through his recovery. So, yeah, there's like a little That's right. there's a little band of TJ Warriors down there and uh, and Elias is part of them. Again, someone I was really excited by what he was doing before he went down. So uh, don't forget about those guys like they're out there. They. There are some guys who have been on the shelf, and obviously, we always get we get this question every single time we do a podcast. I think, when will the Mariners re-sign James Paxton? Uh, I feel like that's more of a will they, uh, but you know, people people assume that it's yeah. going to happen. What do we feel like about a reunion of um, Paxton and the Mariners? Would love it. Uh, Don't expect it till February. Exactly. I, I would say at least February, maybe even March. But I, yeah, I would say I think there's a great chance it happens, but it won't happen until March because then they can actually immediately put him onto the 60-day IL and they don't have to hold him on the 40-man roster all winter. That's just, I think, logistically, yeah. it makes the most sense to do that. Paxton, Unless he's Paxton's one less agency. Yeah, yeah, Paxton's agency is not going to settle for a minor league deal this early in the offseason. Right. I mean, he's he's with Boris, right? Like, uh, yeah, yeah, I know he's, he's with one of the big yeah. dogs. He's, yeah. he's, a Boris, yeah. he's a Boris guy. Yeah. Right. Not, you know, and like that could be if he really desperately wants to, but I think I think he's still got enough in the tank that, yeah, he'll he'll get a major league deal of some sort with a lot of incentives, and that's perfectly fine. Uh, um, one more question from Dane Thompson. 
What excuse should I give to the family that is graciously hosting me for Thanksgiving this week <laughs> for constantly staring at my phone, refreshing Twitter for trade announcement announcements? Oh, Dane, welcome to welcome to my world. Welcome to my world. Welcome to my world of constantly refreshing Twitter every day. I, w- Dane, I mean, it's- yeah. Go ahead, John. Set your tweet notifications <laughs> for Jeff Passan. And Ken yeah. Rosenthal, and no one else. And no one else. <laughs> <laughs> and you're good. If something happens, you even if they're be, not the first person to talk about it, they will talk about it. And, you and they'll won't be get one nearly, of the first people. Yeah. And, yeah, and you're not going to get a constant barrage of nonsense or bullshit like Heyman or yeah. Morosi. Yeah. I, 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 I like Morosi, but he and does a talk a hate. lot about hockey, and I don't. No, yeah, and like it's not it, it, and Heyman is a mouthpiece for the agents, so it's well, and he has no connections within the Mariners organization. That's that's the other thing, which yeah, doesn't yeah, mean he has burned off. everything. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely, Passon will have it. Divish, obviously. Um, yeah, you you yeah you'll be you'll be fine that way. Don't check Twitter constantly. It's, that's what we're here for. We're here to do that. <laughs> obviously, also set your set your notifications for lookout landing tweets. Um, yeah, yeah. Although I cannot promise that some of them will just be <laughs> me might making just be the, memes. Me making a dumb crypto. Yeah, I'm just I'm on memes now. I'm just doing memes. <laughs> Someone introduced me to. I think you should leave. So there have been a lot of those. Uh, everyone was sad about the Sounders last night, so I released this cryptocurrency one i'd been sitting on for a while which angered the people people were mad i said that jp invests in crypto people the man believes in aliens he listens to reggae he's a capricorn taurus moon (laughs) like the man invests in crypto yeah i think uh I think JP probably has a bunker of some sort. Oh, uh, he um, definitely has a bunker. I believe that he might think the Earth is flat too, or he might be part of the flat Earther thing. Uh, I he thought he was like flirting with it at least. Yeah, he definitely <laughs> like he's got the kind of you know it. It was a it's a fun mind. Like it's just expansive and a lot of what ifs and uh, mm-hmm. but you know it's the kind of mind that like. Yeah, it does get intrigued by crypto, and, and I would not be surprised at all. Anyway, I stand by everything I said in the meme. Also, people are like, oh, why'd you have to bring back Kyle Seeger? You could have put anyone else in. And I'm like, yes. But is there more of a person who has no clue what crypto is and absolutely does not fucking care than Kyle Seeger? No. No. <laughs> Kyle Seeger is the poster child for that. Kyle Seeger is living. Kyle Seeger also has a bunker. But like in a totally different way than JP has a bunker. <laughs> totally different reasons than JP has a bunker. <laughs> yeah, there's more dried meats in Kyle Seeger's <laughs> there's, there's some sides of beef curing. Uh-huh. There's like a Virginia uh-huh. ham. A uh, lot of lot of canned goods and things. <laughs> All uh, right, y'all. Yeah, uh, so sorry that we didn't have anything to talk to you about other than, oh, John, we did, at the top of the show, we did our, our favorite Thanksgiving food. Mm. Would you care to weigh in? Yeah, stuffing. We'll just bring this puppy. Oh, 
My boy loves bread. It's true. My, boy is, a, yeah, my boy is a carb boy. I, I love me some carbohydrates. You um, do. You really and John Keenan well, used to eat like a former baseball player, like former athlete, just can mm-hmm. really put it away. As as long as I have a job where I am still doing I think I got thirteen thousand steps yesterday, which means I am not I'm I'm definitely on the edge because it's it's you know, I, I my general cardio is poor to none, but I go up and down a lot of stairs every day. Mm-hmm. So then mm-hmm. that your haunted Victorian orphanage, yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yes. So I, I can plow through some enchiladas, plow through I mean the, here's the thing about stuffing. Uh it is it's wet bread. In, That's the thing about stuffing. It's well, wet you know, I was gonna say it has to have some to, crisp. Yeah, yeah, you gotta it's gotta be it's gotta have the crisp because then when it gets soggy, that is a problem. And you got to mm-hmm. reheat it in the oven, otherwise you're mm-hmm. you're just setting yourself up for disaster. Sure, sure. sure. Almost yeah. all of my favorite foods are. Hey, what if we put all the good tasting things into <laughs> just kind of throw them into one thing, and then everybody you just kind of got a crunch <laughs> and meat. Yeah, like, we put all of my favorite things inside a big vat <laughs> of yeah. meat. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, you know, like, they don't do Thanksgiving dumplings. There's no Thanksgiving dumpling. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's the the closest thing to Thanksgiving dumplings are is stuffing, where you have bread mm-hmm. and you have and meat. meat, mm-hmm. meat. Typically, I, I'm an Italian sausage or like a spicy sausage kind of oh, guy. Yeah. And then you want some onions. Sour, you want sourdough, sourdough where, are you on, onions. where are you on popovers? Uh, they're great. They're great. That was not a family <laughs> tradition of mine, but I'm a huge fan. Uh, <laughs> I was yeah. like, do you have some popovers? Yeah, I was going to say, are you, are you offering? <laughs> um, Our real yeah. estate agent showed up yesterday with a 14-inch pumpkin pie. And you know how as you work your way to Thanksgiving, you mentally kind of psych yourself up for the <laughs> amount of calories that you're going to eat? Like, I'm going to work out today. I'm going to work out. I'm going to run. I'm going to do all these things. And then your realtor shows up four days before Thanksgiving with a super, like, a tire pie. And all of it's out the window. Tire pie. Yeah, it's the size oh. of a bike tire. The thing is enormous. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. That doesn't sound homemade to me. We didn't. Did we not cover that the pumpkin pie has to be homemade? Okay, this at is the top important. So it came in a tin that appears to be homemade, but Kate, tin to your point, it does seem as though. This was not made yesterday. <laughs> no, no, ain't no one out there. Ain't no one out there making a. That's a Costco pumpkin pie, Joe. They are the only no, people no, who no. do bike tire, bike, bike tire sized pumpkin pies. It wasn't. Wow, I, I am a, I'm a big Costco guy. Okay, <laughs> and it's not a Costco pie. Mm-hmm. I had, mm-hmm. I had two pieces of it last night, and it is. Fresh and spiced enough to where I'm gonna gourd myself until Thanksgiving, You're and then I'll throw it away and yourself? replace it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'll probably get through about yourself? half of it. I enjoy I gourd yourself. That's yeah. a little gourd joke. Um, mm, no, I'm sorry. Uh, it's got to be the tiny, the tiny pie, the tiny pie that is handmade by my mother. Only good pumpkin pie in existence. I do not trust a tire pie. Sorry. I thought we were better than this. <laughs> I'm sorry. Thank I've been over fair. here googling whether people whether there are any good recipes for a like Thanksgiving. Pie? Th- no, no, no. Whether there's like a Thanksgiving themed 
uh, Yorkshire pudding. Um, and the first, the first thing that came up was www.joe.co.uk. Uh, and I the, thought I retired the, that site. I yeah, guess I didn't well, they're, they're, keeping it, they're keeping it fresh for you. And just the question is, can you have Yorkshire pudding with turkey? And the answer is, why? <laughs> if you're having turkey on Christmas Day, as is traditional, you should not be having Yorkshire puddings. <laughs> so I will say counterpoint. Nothing it is. Why not do both? Yeah, that's a great point. Uh, it's like yeah. the people that say, if I'm making turkey, can I have ham? Absolutely, you can have ham. Now, Evan, you missed before he came on, decided to tell us that he makes ribs every Thanksgiving, which I found problematic, to say the least. But if you're making ribs with turkey and ham, (laughs) I'm not going to say no. Yeah, yeah. You can't only have ribs, though. I think. Have enough ribs. It's only ribs. Have enough ribs ribs and and you won't have room for anything else. Yeah, absolutely. What are you guys having for Thanksgiving? I'm having ribs and cranberry sauce. Okay. That checks out. Ribs and pumpkin pie? You don't need gravy. If you have have ribs, you you shouldn't need gravy. So that's one thing gone. You could, I guess, have like a salad, but you could also have more ribs. We're going down a... Yeah, this is a point. All right, Kate, cut us off. (laughs) I will will cut you off. I will cut you off. Uh, Unfortunately... (laughs) Uh, we have somehow staff writer Mikey has sucked Marcus Stroman into our our uh, Twitter mentions. Paul Seawald is involved. It's like a whole thing. Uh, I am just uh, Paul Seawald's recruiting. Paul Seawald is recruiting for us now. I love Paul Seawald with my whole heart. Do not trade him, Mariners. Uh, I would be sad if Sadler went. I'd be devastated if Seawold went Steckenrider. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, oh man, Paul Seawold just, Seawold and Hanniger, I think the heart of this team towards the end. How do we feel about Marcus Stroman? I love it. Like, I love the idea of him. Would love. Uh, I think let's it'd be get great. him out of the Mets. Let's get our trio of Is short kings assemble. He's got a new, he's got, he, He's got some new pitches. Uh, he's got some new stuff he's been playing around so, with. So he's good? He's good. He's good. I, I, then, I you know what? Good. I like good. <laughs> You're good with good. <laughs> We're good with good. I'm good with getting a ground ball pitcher to pitch in front of J.P. Crawford and the rest of this infield. That, that's well, what Steven I'm Matz good with. Well, Steven Matz is gone. So. Yeah. yeah. We know the Mariners Maybe we can trade for Adam Met. Wainwright. We know they love a former <laughs> Met, so... Uh, mm, anyway, I mean, people are losing their mind. I predict the rest of the day. Oh, there's a Domino's truck rolling past, or Domino's pizza delivery rolling past my house right now. Strong move by somebody oh, what a getting for their Kate. strong move by somebody getting their pizza order in because you know pizza delivery is nuts on the night before Thanksgiving. So somebody's taking care of that beforehand, and they mm-hmm. know that it's Domino's, so it does not matter. If it's fresh or not, it's going to taste like garbage no matter where, when you order it in the evening. Sorry. Sorry to non-pod sponsor Domino's Pizza. (laughs) Kill any hope of that ever happening. Uh, Just a lot going on. You know, I let's give some parting. Let's let's close with some advice 
for John. I hear you hammering away on your on your keyboard there. Just calm down. We're gonna do one more thing and then we can go. Um, I would love a little Jesus. advice. Let's have a little <laughs> advice for people. Give give the people of of Twitter because people are losing their minds. Right? We're all agreed about that. Like people are people are in a bad place. Um, mentally, I am here. Memes, etc. Like it's just it's not. Everyone is kind of stressed out. They want to see a move made. We're hungry for any little bit of information. Uh, people are parsing a Kevin Martinez tweet where he says, see us rise. Kevin Martinez has nothing to do with any front <laughs> office decisions, you guys. Like, yeah. nothing. His goal is literally, his job is literally being the Mariners hype man on Twitter. And, like, this just, like, a casual reply to a tweet got a whole, like, people, okay. So what is what is your best piece of advice to give to people to navigate these these troubling times that we're in. All right. Tomorrow's Thanksgiving. Eat as much as humanly possible. Drink as much as humanly possible. Sleep until February 1st. And then we'll talk to you soon, baby. Talk to you soon. We'll see what happens. How's that? I like it. I like it. That's yes. Thank focus you, Joe Van Winkle. Focus <laughs> on your family. Fo- focus on family and friends, and like you know, this time of year, Joe get Van your Winkle. get your holiday shopping done. Set your Turn notifications, like John yeah. suggested. Set your notifications to just Passin and Rosenthal. Uh, we promise you won't miss anything. Oh, or look at landing. We promise we've got you covered if anything goes down. Just like, yeah, take a step away. Take a step away. It's so tempting to like want to watch and and be right on it when something breaks and not miss it. But I just take a step away. Watched pot never boils. It's a wa- watched hot stove never pipes. I don't. I don't know. What would you? What do stoves do? They, stoves just, I, they just heat. They just I cook. I cook over an open fire like a cavewoman. I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Kate needs to get off the podcast so she can go rewarm the bellows. <laughs> yes. We've established this episode. John works in the 19th cooking a century. Coyote on a spit. John, I hate. I live out in the wilds of West Seattle. There are coyotes out here, like some, like some leper trying to make her morsels. Look, we've established uh. that that John works in a haunted Victorian orphanage, and I uh, live in the wilds of West Seattle and my cook in a big cauldron like a forest witch. I mean, these are just facts. These are facts about the Lookout Landing podcast. Oh, Why gracious. do people come to us for baseball? Should not. <laughs> Listen, Kate, Kate is literally in a cave, dry <laughs> roasting <laughs> something on a stick. She, she yeah. found, yeah, she found an aurochs. They thought we thought we <laughs> they were extinct, but then she's got a whole thing just hanging out there. Um, John's got twenty six kids tied to him with a rope, so none of them get away. Down in the mines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, they're they're down in the content mines. We're looking for. We're looking. John, for John's playing that. John's playing that parachute game with twenty six kids, except he's sealing the parachute as soon as all of them go under. Yeah, like a big, like Santa's sack, and just kind of wrap up. Oh, crimp, John. Yeah, Johnus. Uh, all right, I need to leave. Yeah, I have no true. no more advice. I need to leave. Yeah. Oh, uh, hey, yeah, I guess it got to us too, man. Uh, off-season madness is real. Uh, thank you for putting up with us. Happy holidays. We'll <laughs> talk to you next time there is a move. Hopefully it will be soon, lest we all descend into even more madness than this. <laughs> thank oh, you man. again. 